أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد ويركع ركعتي الفجر قبل صلاة الصبح بعد الفجر يقرأ في كل ركعة بأم القرآن. So now he mentions something about the two the two uh, 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 um, rakaas uh, uh, before the Salat al-Subh, before the Farther Prayer in the morning. Salat al-Subh is what uh, 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 what the uh, you know what the awam refer to as the Salat al-Fajr. Um, Fajr is the time that Subh starts, like we mentioned before so many times in Dars. Fajr meaning dawn and Subh meaning morning. The morning prayer starts at, at the time of dawn, it ends at the time of sunset, sorry, sunrise. Um, and so this, uh, uh, um, this uh, uh, these two rak'ahs that are there in the morning, they're very special, they're very important. So uh, in the Maliki school, you have first a division between the prayers that are far than the prayers that are not far. Um, and so the far the prayers are the five times daily prayers. They are far by, uh, by consensus. Whoever says that they're not far has left Islam. Obviously, with some exceptions, like if someone just became Muslim, like you know today, and like they say it by mistake, it's different. But it's something that's ma'lum in the It's necessarily known to be part of the deen and not a difference of opinion. Um, and so those are the faraid, and then and then all the other prayers are called nawafil. So the word nafil has a general meaning, has a specific meaning, has a general meaning. So the general meaning of nafil is what anything that's not fard. So all other prayers are nawafil in some sense. Meaning they're, they're what? They're not far. Every other Eid prayer, the drought prayer, all these other prayers. We'll actually go chapter by chapter. We'll go through them all, inshallah, uh, if, we, if we keep going with the dars. So that's, that's, that's the division of uh, fard and, uh, and nafil. There's another fard prayer other than the, the, the five daily prayers. But it's not fard ain. It's fard kifaya. Which is the which is the janaza, but the janaza is like shibh salat. It's not really a salat. It's kind of like a salat. It's kind of not. There's no sajda. There's no uh, ruku in it. But it takes a form that's kind of quasi uh, uh, quasi salat form. Um, but at any rate, uh, it's 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 a fard kifaya. It's a it's a a communal obligation. Meaning, if some every person gets a janaza, if somebody. Uh, if if somebody, uh, some group of people, three or more, prayed the janazah of a person, then that obligation is discharged and it's no longer farth on anybody else. If those, you know, minimum, like whatever, three people don't pray the janazah, then it's like a sin on the entire ummah. Uh, uh, it's non-performance uh, or whoever the responsibility of that devolves on. Uh, so that's that's the fara'id. Then the, the nawafil are what? The nawafil are then categorized or broken down into three categories. There's three levels of them. One is a sunnah mu'akkada, which is the one that's the most rigorously emphasized, uh, which includes what? It includes like the witr prayer, the Eid prayer, the, um, the eclipse prayer, the drought prayer. Uh, um, it, it, includes, uh, uh, it includes all of those. And... Uh, there again, like I said before, their description will come to it in a relatively good amount of detail. 
And the lowest level of, that's the highest level of Noafil. The lowest level of Noafil, they just refer to them as Noafil. And even then there's like a, a bunch of categories in, uh, in that. And those are, those are the ones that, those are the ones that are, if you do them, it's great. If you don't do them, it's no big deal. Um, the, the, uh, whereas the, whereas the, whereas the Sunnah Mu'akkadah, is like a person who doesn't do them it may not be a sin but like to habitually neglect them is uh, like it's qadihun fil muru'a it's like a sign that this is a person of like very like poor character and it may not it may not be a sin per se there may not be a punishment for it in this world and the hereafter but it's a sign that the person doesn't take the deen seriously they don't have, if they skip their with her as a habit they don't they don't pray their with her and like you know they don't come to the Eid prayer they don't you know come to the drought prayer eclipse prayer these things you know as a habit they skip them without any without any like heavy excuse uh, this is a sign that that person doesn't really take the Dean very seriously and uh, those are reasons that a person should be disqualified from being the Imam there are reasons for a person to be disqualified from their witness being accepted. Um, you know, those people should probably not be pontificating their opinions about Dean and things like that. I mean, although that's like we're very far gone from that now, like people don't even feel like they need to pray five times a day or like practice really much of Islam or any of Islam at all uh, in order to give their opinions about Dean. But that's a like that's a whole separate issue. We're not gonna. Because not not strictly speaking, what we're talking about right now. So between these two between these two extremes, right? The nawafil are the ones that like if you do them, there's more reward. If you leave them, it's not that big of a deal. And then on the other side, there is uh, uh, there is uh, um, the sunnah mu'akkada, which is like a person shouldn't leave them, even though it's it's not you know there's no punishment for leaving them, but a person shouldn't leave them. And there are some like it just it means you're a person of like. Not a very high character if you if you make a habit of leaving them for no reason. Um, in the middle, there is there is a, a category called a raghiba. Raghiba is the thing that's like that a person should be excited to to do. And the two rakahs of before fajr are are the only salat in that category. And um, there are a number of a number of peculiar things about these two rakahs that make them different than like really any other salat in the sharia. Um, and we can, we'll discuss a couple of them uh, right now. But the definition of the raghiba is what is a recognition that that it's not it's not a sunnah mu'akkada in the sense that like there's no legal precedent, for example, for a person like someone said so and so skipped the, the two rakahs before fajr, therefore you know they're not a good person or whatever. But on the flip side, the taqid, the emphasis of uh, praying those two rakahs is very heavy in the, the, the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, to the point where the reward is so much that a person is really, uh, the, the reward that's mentioned is so much that a person is really remiss to skip them. And the reward mentioned uh, in the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is that the, the, that the person uh, will receive a reward greater than the, the entire world and that which is in it. So, um, and it's really interesting too because like, you know, despite what people may, may think or whatever, or some people may think, uh, uh, um, you know, many people who are like right now, who seem very religious, there was a time that they weren't or they come from a background that's not as religious as you would think. Someone may walk around and you think this person is like, you know, was taught Alif Ba'tatha from Imam Ghazali or something like that. But, you know, people have their background and they come to deen from something else. Um, this is important to remember. 
especially for people who especially for people who feel like they're kind of novices uh, because then uh, you know other people's behavior when people behave in a way that turns you off from the deen you kind of take it in stride whereas you're like well if the people who pray are like this then maybe the prayer is uh, like you know not very useful or like it's not that important or whatever right whereas the person who you think is very religious may just look very religious outwardly but inwardly they have they have very little they may they may have very little so it's not fair to pin that person's personal issues onto the prayer or onto fasting or onto having a beard or wearing hijab or niqab or whatever, right? So um, at any rate, there was a time that uh, I found it very difficult and onerous to wake up for Fajr. Like really difficult. Like now I'll get up and I'll, 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 I'll read, you know, like whatever the Masnoon Qira'ah is. There was a time I couldn't even read the Fatiha without my voice cracking. That was how difficult it was for like, you know, like my voice was hoarse. I used to wonder how do the Imams recite the recite the, uh, uh, the, the Qur'an in Fajr because it was so difficult. Like my voice would break so much because it, it just like I was completely out of it. I was unable to wake up. And so, um, and those were, those were, those days were like, fiqh, what's that? Like, you know, like the, you're like in the old, you guys must have come from the Bilad. So maybe you don't re- remember this, but like in the eighties, in the nineties, in this country, there was not really a whole bunch of ilm floating around. There was like, there was like, knowledge of Islam through popular culture. Like we know there's five times daily prayer because our Sunday school teacher taught us. Nobody knows about like the Usuli definition of farlin. No, you're Muslim, this is what you, what you do. You pray five times a day. So I thought, okay, Fajr is like really early in the morning. And uh, I asked my father, like, when is Fajr supposed to be? He's like, five. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, and I have no idea what the alamat are of the Fajr. I just set my alarm for five. I would wake up and pray, you know? Um, and some, you know, some, some days it was probably like before it came in, Allahu A'lam. You know, this is, by the way, this is also a mas'ala. If you pray like at the wrong time and like you realize I've been praying the wrong time for like years, then the, the hukum for that is that every prayer, um, that you pray in the wrong time is the makeup for the, the day before. And then, and then, and then there's still, but like, you know, uh, uh, um, there's still one prayer that's missing in that silsila. So you have to make up one prayer as once you find out. You don't have to make all of them up. Versus like praying without wudu, you have to make them all up. There's no excuse. There's no way out of that. You know, fiqh is wonderful. There's all sorts of loopholes in fiqh. You know, like one. Anyway, it's like a whole like another set of interesting stories. If we have time, maybe someone can ask and I'll tell tell them about fun fun loopholes of fiqh stories. Um, not loopholes, but like how understanding superior understanding doesn't necessarily mean you have to do more. Sometimes understanding the sharia uh, well means that like you actually don't have to do all, all that much. And people that don't have the understanding will end up doing a lot and they didn't really have to. Uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, so it was very difficult. And so after a while, someone's like, oh, you know, there's two rakahs of sunnah before fajr. I'm like, what? Forget that, man. It's not even far. I'm barely, I'm pray, barely reading my fajr and like, forget that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we're like, the hajjah is not even on the radar right now. The hajjah is like a unicorn that only like exists on the 27th of Ramadan at this point. Like, you know, it's not, we're not even thinking about that, right? So I'm like, man, two, two rakahs before Fajr, man, I'm, I'm going to do my farther and I'm going to I'm gonna go, go back to sleep. I'm done with, like, I, I don't even want to hear about this, right? So uh, uh, given that reality, which is one that a lot of people negotiate, even people who want to be righteous and even people who are genuinely, genuinely pious people, like, you know, and other stuff, um, that's not very easy for, for everybody to do. 
uh, it makes sense why why there would be so much reward because there's a couple of things. One is so difficult. B, if you're already in that frame of mind at that time in the morning, uh, um, then your fajr is not going to be very high quality. So one of the wonderful one of the wonderful benefits of the sunnah, the sunnah prayers is or the nafil prayers is like Sheikh Musa he pointed this out in a gathering. He said it's like if you turn the fan off, you know, like you know they have the big spinning fans on the in the in the ceilings. You turn the fan off, you like hit the off switch, right? It will st- still keep spinning for a while. It doesn't become still right away. So uh, the sunnahs are good in the sense that, the sense that they center a person, um, so that they can get the maximum benefit out of the fard. And the fard prayer is like your main course, you know, uh, uh, like you know your sunnah prayers, even if they may be more in, in, in number of rakahs in certain cases, but they're like your appetizer and your dessert. They're, but the main course that you're actually going to get your nourishment, like if somebody eats like French fries or like mozzarella sticks. Um, that doesn't replace a meal if you keep doing that for a long time. You're going to become like uh, malnourished, you know. If you keep eating like cheesecake, you can't just live off cheesecake, or you can't just live off of ice cream or whatever. So uh, uh, you know that's your that's your that's your that's your your main meal is the is the farb, and the person is in in a good position to imbibe the benefit that comes from it uh, uh, when they pray their sunnas. And so like those two sunnas are are really good for that. And so the 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 that he mentions here is that uh, 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 that a person who prays the two rakahs uh, 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 of fajr before subh, and so the two rakahatil fajr is the the name of the the sunnah or the raghiba I should say, and the subh is the the name of the farth prayer. Um, that person uh, uh, will pray uh, uh, the fatiha, read the fatiha in each surah, and he will read them silently. So this is one way in which this salat is different. Is that what? It's not a sunnah. To ha- it's not a sunnah in this prayer, according to Malik. It's not a sunnah in this prayer to read a second surah. According to Malik, there's a difference of opinion. The Hanafis they say that such a salat doesn't really exist. Uh, that it's a sunnah not to pray a second surah. Anyway, but the, according to Malik, the sunnah is is this, and this is narrated by Sayyidah Aisha radhiyallahu anha. Qalat. كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي ركعتي الفجر فيخفف فيهما حتى أقول هل قرأ فيهما بأم القرآن أم لا. Uh, 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 um, and uh, it's it's a narration of Ibn al-Qasim uh, uh, from Malik uh, uh, that uh, that uh, 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 and, and the other khabar uh, is uh, is uh, narrated in Muslim. عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أنه صلى الله عليه وسلم قرأ فيهما بأم القرآن والسورة قل يا أيها الكافرون قل هو الله أحد قال بعض العلماء هو والدليل هذا والدليل هذا أظهر من الدليل الأولي الذي قيل فيه إنه مشهور لأن هذا نص فيه على أنه قرأ سورة سورة بعد أم القرآن بخلاف الأول دليله الظاهر. So there is a difference of opinion between the ulama. Um, you know the Hanafis they go with the, with the report of Abu Huraira that the Prophet Sallallahu read Fatiha and uh, uh, and then in the first rakah, he read "Qul ya al kafirun" and "Qul Allahu ahad." This is like a good combo. This "Qul ya al kafirun" and "Qul Allahu ahad." This is like the the go-to combo of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam for a number of for a number of nawafil, short nawafil. Anyone remember another place where it's a mashru'ah to to read from these two? Uh, 
the two rakahs of Ihram. It's narrated the Prophet read, read, read from those two, from the two rakahs of Ihram. For, for those of you who go to Hajj and Umrah, Allah Ta'ala take us again and again. And it's also for the two rakahs of Tawaf. It's also narrated for them as well. Um, and so uh, there is a, there, you know, the people who, 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 uh, uh, um, the people who uh, 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 take this, uh, um, who take this opinion, they say the, the 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 second hadith is stronger than the first, even though the first the first the first hadith is more famous, more well known, and widely transmitted. The second hadith is stronger as a proof. They say why? Because uh, I'm doing Sheikh Musa's job because he's he's not here. So I'm first like refuting the Maliki Madhab and then we'll say the Maliki position afterward. But uh, uh, why? Because the first ha- hadith is say that say that Aisha is saying I don't know if he even read the Fatiha in it or not. Whereas the second one is Tasriha. It's like it's like saying the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prayed the two rak'ahs of Fajr and he read Qul Ya Ayyuhal Kafirun Qul Huwa Allahu Ahad uh, I would say in response to that, that I don't know if he even prayed the Fatiha or not, it's pretty clear that he didn't read anything more than the Fatiha. Um, and the second thing is that the Amal of the Ahlul Madina and these issues uh, uh, usually ends the Khilaf according to Malik. But if somebody did read a short surah, the point is that they're quick. And the Sunnah that everyone agrees on is that they're quick. This is not like you're the time to read two, two wrong, long rakahs. Someone may say, well, what if I want to read two, wrong, two long rakah? Not wrong rakahs. Don't ever read a wrong rakah. If, what if I want to read two long rakahat? See, that's the, the point of that is tahajjud. If you want to follow the Sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ was praying like a third, a half of the night, two thirds of the night uh, uh, before that anyway. And the, the reason that, that, that these two rakahs are called the two rakahs of Fajr, again, in popular conception, when you say Fajr, you're talking about the Fard. But the, the technical term for the Fard prayer is Subh. The reason these two are called Fajr is because they're prayed at the beginning of the time. And why are they prayed at the beginning of the time? Because the, the Prophet ﷺ was already awake because of the Hajjah. So uh, uh, these two uh, rakahs are like, like a break from a break from the the the, the struggle and the mujahada of being awake all night, and so they're 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 short. They're not they're not long, uh, uh, but for whoever prays them, either way, if you're already awake because you were praying the hajjud, then you deserve a, a great reward in them. So you get what's in the dunya and wa fiha. And if you struggle to wake up, then also because of the struggle, you deserve a great reward. One way or the other, you get great reward for these two rakahs. So. One, one of the ways it's different is that, at least according to Malikus, mustahab, it's considered sunnah. You receive more reward for just reading the Fatiha instead of reading Fatiha in a surah. Uh, although, again, there's a difference of opinion. Another way it's different is what? Is in general in the Sharia, every prayer that's prayed in, in daylight, meaning from the time the, the sun rises until the time the sun sets. Uh, all of those prayers are uh, said quietly. And every t- prayer that's said, the sunnahs say them quietly. And the, the, the prayers that are from the t- from in the darkness from the time the sun sets until the time the sun rises, those prayers are all said out loud. There are some exceptions. The exceptions for the daylight prayers is what? Is every prayer that has a khutbah, the recitation is out loud. And the, uh, the exception on the other side is this, these two rak'ahs that they're said before the, the sun rises. Obviously the Fajr prayer is said out loud, but these two, it's a, it's a sunnah to say them quietly. 
Um, and there's a type, again, it's, it has to do with them being like a type of repose after the, the mujahadat of the, of, of, of the night prayer and the, the, the dhikr and recitation of the night. Um, another way that these two are different, although he doesn't, uh, 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 although he doesn't mention it uh, here, I'll mention a couple of other masail that are connected with these two rakahs, is that uh, um, that they are there is no prayer between them and between the the, the fard. So if, you know, you just pray two that the, between the avana between the uh, uh, the the time the fajr comes the subh comes in until the time it's prayed. There's only these two rakahs and nothing else. So if you want to do something at that time, recite the Qur'an, Qur'an al-Fajri, Qur'an al-Fajri kana mashhuda, you know, uh, 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 the, 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 indeed the, the, uh, the recitation of the Qur'an at the time of, of, the, of the dawn is uh, witnessed by the angels. Uh, 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 and uh, a person can make dhikr at that time as well. This is what I saw in the in the zawaya, the khanqahs I stayed in, uh, uh, that the mashayikh, they sit and they make their adhkar, their du'as of the day and the night, and their uh, uh, repetition of the divine name, la ilaha illallah, Allah, Allah, etc. Uh, they, they do these things at this time. Uh, um, and if a person has other things like reading a book of ilm or something like that, uh, that, that they want to do this, some, the point is you do something else at this time. Uh, it's not. It's, this is not a time to like rack up the the the, the salat, uh, the rakaat, I should say. Another unique thing about this is that that the mansus alehi masala of the Malikis, and I don't know in the other madahib if it's the same, uh, is what is that if a person has prayed these two rakaas um, and they enter the masjid, then they should just sit down. They don't pray. They don't pray the tahiyyat masjid. And for that reason, the mashayikh write that it's actually superior to pray them in the masjid so that you extricate yourself from this issue of like having entered the masjid and sat without having prayed the two rakahs of, uh, of tahiyyat masjid, of the greeting of the masjid. Uh, obviously, that's for those who uh, are praying in the masjid, um, uh, not for others. Now, uh, this is a, ma- a masjid that we mentioned before when we... Uh, uh, when we talked about the prayer times, but I think it, you know, it bears repetition at this point that there's a difference of opinion as to when the Fajr prayer should be prayed. In general, if a person is praying alone, praying at home, uh, um, they should in general, it's the, the, the best time for them to pray is the beginning of the time. Why? Because they don't have to wait for other people. They don't have to make a consideration with regards to the congregation. Uh, as for the congregation, uh, the needs of the congregation should be taken into account. So uh, it's one of the objectives of the Sharia that you should try to have as big a congregation, well, as well attended a congregation as possible. Um, and so keeping that in mind, um, the general rule is that every prayer is best prayed at the beginning of its time. Uh, uh, because of the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, that the best of, uh, who's asked about what's the best of deeds, he says, ala waqtiha, uh, uh, praying the prayer in the beginning of its time. Um, that being said, there is a uh, there is a uh, hadith of the Prophet وسلم, which is narrated in the Sunan that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, "Asfiru bil fajri fa innahu a'zamu lil ajri." That pray the 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 the, the fajr prayer um, when there's a little bit more light outside, not in the dark part of the not in the ghalas, not in the dark part of the the, the dawn, but in the uh, the light part of the dawn, uh, and you'll receive more reward. 
and this is the amal that the uh, that the uh, Hanafis uh, use. This is why in most of the Hanafi countries, um, including like Turkey and things like that, they'll usually pray. the 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 fard will be about a half an hour before the, half an hour, forty minutes before the sun rises. You know how we said in the our, in this masjid, we generally set the, the 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 salat half an hour after the adhan. They'll do it a half an hour before the the sun rises. And um, one of the reasons for that is what is that? So there's, you know, people are sleeping and things like that. There's more chance for people to wake up. Um, that's obviously very difficult. That makes it difficult for the tahajjud crew because oftentimes they want to sleep after, uh, they want to get in a nap after the, uh, um, after they, they, they prayed the subh. But in general, that's a makruh time to sleep also. It's a makruh time to sleep also. It's makruh to sleep until after the sun rises, even if you want to have a, a nap in the day. It's considered a qaylula. It's good. A person should take a, a short nap in the day. Um, uh, that's also a sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, and it was observed in most of the Muslim countries, so if not all of them, uh, until relatively modern times. But uh, so that's that's uh, uh, that's that's uh, another opinion. One is that prayed in the beginning of the time. One is prayed at the end of the time. And then the uh, the fatwa uh, of the Maliki school is uh, a tatbiq between the two of them. And it's also based on a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu that, uh, uh, um, that the companion said that when we would leave the when we would leave the Salat al-Subh, there would be enough light outside that from some distance you could see if someone was there, but not enough light to recognize who it is. So you couldn't make out the details of the face of a person, like whereas if it was broad daylight, you would be able to see that see who it is. But like you could tell that there's someone there. It's not like just pitch black outside either. Um, and so for this uh, for this reason, the uh, the fuqaha write that the best time of the prayer is that when a person when the imam starts the Allahu Akbar the takbir, it should be ghalas. It should be like night outside. And then by the time the imam says salam, because the prayer is, should be fairly long. Uh, um, by the time the the uh, imam says there's salam, that there should be there should be a, a bit of light outside, as well. Obviously, the babas at Fajr is hard to like. God bless them and like you know keep them in His protection and guide them to what's best, and as well as all of us, you know th- this is not. I don't think this discussion is is going to kind of go in one ear and out the other in the morning time. But it's good. That some people should know. Uh, what what it is and how it is and that the uh, issues with regards to what the prayer times are there there there's a uh, there's some tawassu in it you know um, some wasa in it like in Seattle because it's so much further north than it is over here the subh time gets really early so if you're gonna pray half an hour after after the adhan comes in like you're gonna be praying like at three something you know uh, at some parts of the year. So, like, I remember the, 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 one of the masajid that I was imam in, um, the previous imam had set a rule. He said that the, the subh prayer is never going to be before 4.30. You know, it'll get to that point and they'll just stick it there. Like, like we've done with seven. The reason we did seven is why is because after seven, there's like traffic for people who have to go, go into town, you know. So we'll actually pray it earlier uh, over here. There, they, 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 you know, so who knows, maybe if, uh, you know, if any of us is still around at the time that the Fajr becomes late and when we're complaining about the heat instead of the cold, we can think about those things. But like all of these things, it's okay to, it's okay to change it around a little bit, you know, in order to get more people to come. And there's a precedent from the Sunnah for all of them. Um, uh, yes. 
so uh, uh, that's a little bit about the two rak'ahs of Fajr and about Fajr in general. وَالْقِرَاءَةُ فِي الظُّهْرِ بِنَحْوِ الْقِرَاءَةِ فِي الصُّبْحِ مِنَ الطِّوَالِ أَوْ دُونَ ذَلِكَ قَلِيلًا And the sunnah for uh, the dhuhr prayer is uh, that uh, a person should read from the, the long surahs of the Mufassal, the last seventh of the Qur'an. So from Surah Al-Hujrat until, uh, until Abbas wa Tawalla, you don't have to actually read from those surahs, but read surahs that are similar in length. Uh, 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 to, like, similar to the length to that um, assortment of surahs. Uh, or some part of the Quran that's similar in length to one of those surahs. So salat? Yeah, so the, yeah, and that's what I was going to mention. It is a longer salat. And very few places do they actually observe this. To my knowledge, this is all the fuqaha agree that it's supposed to be as long as Fajr or slightly shorter than it, but not like a whole lot shorter. And, uh, uh, but like people, people don't observe it. I think part of it is because, you know, nobody reads out loud. So people get fidgety. Like one of the, one of the issues, like I remember one, one time one of the uncles yelled at me for making the short. He said, you pray too fast, you pray too fast. I'm like, let's talk about it outside in the hall afterward. You pray, no, you pray too fast. I'm like, don't make a scene right now, let's talk about it outside. No, you pray too fast. I said, I'll talk to you after Salat, just wait a, wait a minute. And then he uh, proceeded just to like bounce, he proceeded to take off. The reason I prayed it short is because the Ihsan school kids were there and it was like they were just back from vacation and they're having like a hard time focusing, you know. And so the longer it gets, the more like it's just going to become a fitna for them and for, for everybody else, you know. Because if they're fidgeting around, then the people are not going to be able to focus in their prayer. And, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, if they have the habit of fidgeting around, because nobody can stop them when, when they're all in the salat. So if the ha- habit is there for them to fidget around, then it makes it harder to undo from, from before. Uh, and so like, yeah. So th- but the problem is that happens with big people too. Because there's a lot of people out there, the longest surah they know is like, So if the imam is standing there for like, you know, 10 minutes reciting, um, 7 minutes reciting, uh, uh, and nobody from behind actually knows enough to recite during that time, uh, uh, you know, perhaps there's a, a concern that that's like an issue. Uh, although, uh, you know, even then, even then, like in the Hanafi madhab, like, you know, they don't consider it even sunnah for the person behind the imam to recite in the silent prayers. So, like, I guess that's, for them, that doesn't really make all that much difference. Um, and they still consider it a sunnah for the imam to recite for that long. But uh, in our school, it's a, it's a sunnah to stay quiet for the follower in the loud prayers, and it's a sunnah for them to recite in the quiet prayers. Um, one way or the other, even if you, all you know is, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ the sunnah is the sunnah. If you can fulfill it by standing for that long, it's obviously superior. I myself will admit that, you know, out of uh, concern of just like people becoming belligerent and like uh, hostile for no reason, like oftentimes I won't read that long of a prayer. And sometimes it's because of my own laziness as well. But I suspect one of the reasons that people don't demand this of the imams is because there's no recitation in it. And the recitation of the Quran and the Salat, even though it's within reason, it's okay to recite nicely, but like it's become somewhat of a, like a performance uh, art, uh, which is kind of not what it was supposed to be. Uh, um, because that aspect is not there in Dhuhr, like nobody really cares. Allahu alam, Allah knows best. But that's why we have these durus, that whether the practice is there or not, the knowledge should be there. Uh, if the knowledge is preserved, the practice can be resurrected. If the knowledge is not there, even if you have the practice, it's going to die. Um, so that's the sunnah for the subh prayer is that you should read from the long uh, surahs of the mufassal as much as subh or maybe a, a little bit shorter than that.
ولا يجهر فيه فيها بشيء من القراءة and a person is not uh, is not to read uh, any of uh, those surahs in dhuhr any of the qira'ah or the recitation out loud which most people pick up pretty quickly wa yaqra'u fil ula wa thaniyati wa fi kulli raka'atin bi'um min al-qur'ani wa suratin sirran wa fil akhiratayn bi'um min al-qur'ani wahdaha sirran uh, and that a person should uh, uh, recite in the Dhuhr prayer uh, um, the Fatiha and the Surah quietly, and in the second two rak'ahs, just the Fatiha itself, uh, again, uh, quietly. The expression Umm al-Qur'an is one of the names that the Qur'an itself has given to the Fatiha. The, uh, I mean, it literally means like the mother of the Qur'an, but it means like, like a really important part of the Qur'an. Um, those people who are learned in, in tafsir, uh, they say that the entire Qur'an, a summary of the entire Qur'an is uh, contained within the Surah Al-Fatiha. Uh, and you can ask them for the explanation for that, inshallah, uh, when you sit in a tafsir, in a tafsir dars. Um, uh, um, وَيَتَشَهَّدُ فِي الْجَلْسَةِ الْأُولَىٰ إِلَىٰ قَوْلِهِ أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ ثُمَّ يَقُومُ uh, uh, a person when they're making the so the person makes tashahud after two rak'ahs and then after four because he described the subh prayer how it's prayed and then he's going to describe how the other prayers are different so he said this the the the, the prayer is four rak'ahs and a person makes tashahud after the 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 first two and uh, 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 they'll keep reading the tashahud until they get to the uh, 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 um, they get to the Muhammadan Abduhu Rasuluh, and then they don't continue to the Salat and Salam on the Prophet and the, the Dua, rather they, they get up from there. Um, by the way, just to backtrack a little bit, we, we, mentioned, uh, we mentioned that the, uh, uh, the, in, that the, the Surah after the Fatiha is the Sunnah Mu'akkadah of the prayer. That's true only in the Fard prayer. So if a person misses the misses like uh, if a person misses the surah after the fatiha um, in a fard prayer, they have to do the sajda sahu, and he'll describe in great detail later on how it is. But uh, uh, um, in the noafil, in the general sense of the word, non-fard prayers, the surah after the fatiha is considered to be just like recommended mustahab. So if you miss it, you don't have to make sajda sahu. And actually, this ties into what we're talking about right now. Why? Because um, because the two rakahs of Fajr are proof for this, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam uh, prayed, a, prayed a, a, a prayer with only the Fatiha. That's not like you know that's not deficient. He never prayed a fard prayer with only the Fatiha in the in in the two rakahs, to my knowledge. But but there is a clear proof that he prayed the the uh, uh, the the nawafil with the Fatiha only at some point. Again, so, uh, the other schools may disagree. That's fine. It's not a reason to like you know like cut someone off and say bid'ah and kafir and shirk and whatever fun things people say to each other. Uh, we should reserve those things for like when someone actually worships, worships an idol or says, "Hey, look, you know, I'm praying five rakahs of the Lord." You know, that's okay. Then you can bring that up. But this is not this is not an occasion for that. But uh, yeah, so the so and this is good to know as well. Why? Because sometimes you know you have to go. And uh, but you want to pray your sunnahs, but you have to go. So in general, you should pray your sun, sunnah. You do everything in the deen as perfectly as possible. 
and as possible the functional word. So if you really have to go, instead of dropping the sunnahs completely and cutting and running, you can pray a fairly quick salat if you're just going to read the Fatiha in each raka'ah and Subhan Rabbil Alim in the ruku once and Subhan Rabbil A'la once in each sajda and like the tashahud and salam out or the tashahud and salat and salam and salam out. It's a relatively short prayer. It takes what a minute and a half or something like that, you know. Um, even if you're not like, like rushing through the recitation. Uh, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, maybe it's not good to make it or if it's like really hard for you to do then you can start with that and then build up from there later on. Uh, a person, you know, when they, you know, when they first go to the gym, they may have a hard time lifting the bar after they're pumping iron for some time. They may put on the big weights and, like, you know, uh, 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 scare the other, uh, scare the other people working out with their strength. But that, you know, at first you start with the bar. Don't put all the weight on and then say, oh, I can't do this. You know. So uh, yes. So the second two rakahs, uh, a person will pre- read the Umm al-Qur'an, the, 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 the Fatiha uh, alone, and they will, uh, 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 they will do it quietly. Uh, the rakah three and four is always quiet. وَيَتَشَهَدُوا فِي الْجَلْسَةِ الْأُولَىٰ إِلَىٰ قَوْلِهِ أَشَهَدُوا أَنَّ مُحَمَدًا عَبْدُهُ رَسُولُهُ Rasulullah. That a person will say the tashahud in the first sitting after two rak'ahs and tell the point of saying وَأَشَهَدُوا أَنَّ مُحَمَدًا عَبْدُهُ رَسُولُهُ ثُمَّ يَقُومُ فَلَا يُكَبِّرُ حَتَّى يَسْتَوِي قَائِمًا uh, uh, that, that, that Malik considered that a person shouldn't say the Allahu Akbar until they actually uh, are standing. Every, what they call the takbirat al-intiqal, the takbirat that you say from moving from one posture to another. In general, the, the sunnah is, or not the sunnah, the recommendation is that a person should stretch it, uh, 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 stretch it according to how long it takes to make that, 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 that movement. Um, and so, you know, uh, when you're going into ruku, Allahu Akbar, however long it takes you to go from standing to going into ruku, you stretch the Allahu Akbar out that long. Uh, uh, and you know, like when you're so when you're getting up from sajda to sitting, it's short. Allahu Akbar. And then when you're getting from getting from sajda to standing, it may take like, Allahu Akbar. Why? Because you should stretch it for however long it takes for you to, to move, so that the the movement itself is uh, 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 is part of an enge- engagement with dhikr. It's part of an engagement with dhikr. And these issues, a person, you know, to be honest with you, a person may ask, they only give aqli dalil here for why it is that a person should say the Allahu Akbar when they stand. According to the usul of the madhab, the reason that Malik would do it is because he saw the he saw the aslaf do it. But the the rational reason that he mentions is the akli reason is what is because and there's actually a number of kind of weird subtle masail that are uh, are uh, fiqh issues that are connected with the first sitting that have to do with this one point, which is what is that the tashahud is a sunnah mu'akkada. It's not a rukun. It's not actually a farth part of the prayer. It's a sunnah mu'akkada. If you skip it, you should make sajda sahu. Uh, but you can make sajda sahu if you skip it in order to fix the prayer. It's not going to invalidate the prayer. Whereas like you skip an entire sajda or something, it invalidates the prayer. You have to say the whole thing over again. Or it invalidates the raka'ah. If you catch it within the prayer, it invalidates the raka'ah and you have to repeat the raka'ah uh, again. So, um, 
the reason the reason they mention here that you say the Allahu Akbar when you're standing is what so that you can say the Allahu Akbar while uh, in the farth part of the prayer rather than in the in the sunnah part of the prayer the sitting being sunnah part of the prayer this is also another issue this is an issue as well for example imagine a person's raka the second sajda the second raka and they forget to sit so they get up if they get up and then they're not they shouldn't sit down again why because a person shouldn't leave the the farth part of the prayer for the sunnah part of the prayer in all the madhabs this invalidates the prayer malik doesn't consider it the maliki school doesn't consider that it invalidates the prayer although that opinion is there as well but still it's makruh it's not like you're not supposed to do it whereas like for example if you if you pr- do one sajda and then stand up, you should go back, back like you, you catch yourself like quickly, you should go back down and do the, sec- the, the second sajda as well. Why? Because they're both far part of the pr- parts of the prayer, right? Uh, where, but the thing is, if you skip something that, that's possible to skip, uh, for the thing that's impossible to skip, you damage that in order to go back to re- fix the first. It's kind of like, it's like the Salat equivalent of like, you know, in the airport, they have those like weird spikes and they say don't back up over. It's like you just backed over it, you just, screw, you know, just keep driving. Just keep going. You don't, don't, uh, whatever with that. So that's uh, uh, um, that's that's the uh, that's the issue with the why you say Allahu Akbar when standing. I don't know. Have you noticed that I did that? I kind of wonder sometimes. Like some things people notice real quickly. Like oh, how come you said Maliki Yomidin? You know. But like, do, do you ever notice? I don't know if you ever notice that I did, do that or not. But I'll say the, the the Allahu Akbar after after I'm done standing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is one way you can tell someone who hasn't read fiqh but is like trying to act like they have. That they'll like, you know, be, be, between the two sides that they'll say real long Allahu Akbar to sound like real like nice and like, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, like hits, R&B hit solo uh, 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 imam. But that's not the time to stretch it. The time to stretch it. There's a reason for stretching it and there's a time for stretching it as well. And the reason for stretching it is so that your, your dhikr includes the entire movement. And the time to stretch it is when the movement is long. If the movement isn't long, there's no call for, for stretching it. How about the hand movement? Huh? The hand movement. Which hand movement? Like we say Allah, Yeah. Sure. I don't know that... Uh, uh, um, I don't know that explicitly I've seen the nas like make ishara toward the movement of the hands in specific. But in general, they just say the intiqal uh, from min hay'atin ila hay'ah. Wallahu a'lam. Wallahu a'lam. Allah knows best. But like, I, I don't think it's far-fetched. If someone said that, I wouldn't think it was wrong. You know? I just said sometimes when fiqh, you know, you learn to like, you learn to like, see, is it specifically, did the ulama specifically write it yes or no? If they did, then uh, uh, then you make nisbah of the answer toward them. If not, then you're answering on your own. And I'm not a person who should like should be answering on my own, like you know, like I'm not that expert mufti of uh, like super, you know, like whatever usuli or whatever that I should. But like, yeah, one would think that it doesn't sound far fetched. Yeah, you had a question? No. No. Yeah. So uh, uh, so he uh, he says he says hakada yafalul imamu. 
that, that this is what the imam should do and this is when a person who's uh, when a person is praying alone or if they're the imam they should uh, when they're done with the tashahud they should stand up and then once they're like completely standing then they can say Allahu Akbar uh, and again that's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama it's not a, like a big thing to get into a big fight over it's helpful even if a person is not going to practice it's helpful to explain the reasoning at any rate uh, um, the, so the person who's following said so that person that person should wait until the imam is standing and has said his Allahu Akbar then they should stand and then they should say Allahu Akbar once they're standing uh, um, uh, and so this is uh, 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 again so that he can also say his Allahu Akbar when he's uh, when he's uh, when he's in the farther part of the prayer and also follow the Imam in his in his movement. Um, I think that's that's good for today, inshallah. And we'll take some questions.